All right, all right, all right. Let's get fired up here. Maximum freedom. Read. <laughs> well, hello and welcome to the Actual Anarchy Podcast, the podcast where we talk about movies from a Rothbardian anarcho-capitalist perspective. Tonight is episode 185 of the show, and you can find the show notes and more at actualanarchy.com slash 185. And uh, we're going to be giving our powers over to the state and sacrifice for the greater good. As uh, one of the main characters in this movie says, we can accomplish anything as long as we stay united by our or by our ideals. I don't want to mess that up too much. So anyway, uh, episode 185, and we're going to be doing Superman Red Sun. We will introduce our guest in just a moment when we get to the last night's portion of the show. But before we do that, before we do that, let's go down to Robert, mm. reporting just a bit outside the Capitol Hill Autonomous Zone in Seattle. How do things look uh, from uh, where you're standing there, Robert? Yeah, it's interesting, Daniel. We got some... Um... I mean, they haven't necessarily been avowed communists, but it really is interesting to see. I mean, when you think of Antifa, you think of anarcho-communism, but there's also, I'm sure, a smattering of protesters and just general hippie type, anti-cop, you know, protester type people. You got some Black Lives Matter people, but it seems to be that all of a sudden, I mean, when you think of anarcho-communism, you think of, you know, property is theft. You think of like everybody living together in this harmonious nature. Greatest but, uh, from the need to the, you know. From each according to his ability, to each according to his need. But as soon as they established this uh, zone, what did they do? They set up barriers to, to order the situation and keep the undesirables out. And then they patrol it with guns. I've seen pictures of photographs people with AR-15s. There's a report of a guy with an AK-47 that goes around. So all of a sudden, you're defending this property, which you could debate whether or not they have a right to it, since it's, I mean, most of the property is public property, right? But then there's also businesses and people that live within this zone that may or may not agree with these people. So are they infringing on those people's rights? Probably if I was a business owner in this area, and all of a sudden I got all these commies shutting down my commerce, I would not be too happy about it. There's also been reports. Now, this is kind of unsubstantiated, so I don't necessarily want to like, because I'm, I'm such a professional journalist, Daniel, that I only go from source materials. But here's a quote. Um, we've heard, anecdotally, reports of citizens and businesses being asked to pay a fee to operate within this area. This is the crime of extortion. If anybody has been subjected to this, we need them to call 911 as said by Assistant Chief of Police Deanna Nolet. Now, a fee to operate in an area is extortion. Think about that for a second. Wait, this I'm, would mean thinking, that, I'm thinking real hard here, Robert. <laughs> think about to, this, Deanna. Trying to keep up. Okay, so if you got a business and somebody comes along and says, okay, in order to run this business, you have to give us some money in order to operate here. This is a crime in the United States of America. If you're anybody but the government doing it. Because if it's the cops enforcing a governmental fee... That's totally not extortion. 
But if anybody else does it, then it totally is a crime. It's totally illegal. But it's really funny to hear people talk about extortion for having a fee to operate. And of course, it's always wrong when anybody does it. But to not call it out when you yourself are doing it for the politicians, but then calling it out for when, you know, the mafia does it or Antifa does it. It's just a little bit hypocritical. Wouldn't you say, Daniel? Well, Robert, I was hoping to shield you so that you would remain untainted by the grim realities of governments and not have to be forced to confront these terrible necessities uh, and have your mind poisoned against the state. But uh, yeah, this is... uh, you're bringing up some very, very valid points that I think I'm going to have to consider as we get into last nighter's portion of the show and introduce our guests. Oh, no. Oh, yes. It's that time. That's right. On to the last nighter. Hey everyone, it's Daniel Elwood and Robert Johnson, and we are The Last Nighters. You can find us on the Launchpad Media. We're always launching new ideas in your direction. Check it out at launchpadmedia.com, and you can also find this, okay. show notes, and more at lastnighters.com slash 128. We're going to be talking about Superman Red Sun tonight as we flip the script with our buddy Shaheen in an alternative world where the ship carrying Superman doesn't land in Iowa cornfield, but rather somewhere in the Ukraine. So uh, welcome back to the show, our buddy Shaheen. You've been with us uh, many times in the past, starting, I think, with uh, Die Hard and then doing many of the Batman movies, the Christopher Nolan stuff, uh, The Killing Joke, among others. Uh, You've also been uh, a student. Uh, You're from Australia, and you have written for uh, the website of the band Backwards, uh, fronted by Eric July. Uh, How are you doing? And welcome back. Hey, how you doing? I'm glad to be back. Yes, well, welcome. Uh, I know that Robert and I, we are excited about having you on for this one. Uh, When Robert saw this movie, he was telling me this movie was made like like with us in mind to be able to go through this. There's so many different notes that I took. I know he took a bunch of notes. And uh, with you being of a similar mindset as us, but also having that background in the DC universe, I think that this is going to be a very um, full, chock full episode full of information and content, and it might even go a little bit long. I'm just going to forewarn everyone. Uh, so strap in while we uh, get into our uh, communist uh, agrarian society where we're going to perfect everything and have it run with uh, clockwork, I think, in theory. Well, we have u- Uber mentions to do that. So yes. That's right. Yes. that That's probably the only way it's going to work is uh, with a Superman and a supercomputer. Brainiac. Yeah. Brainiac um, trying to call the shots, but we'll get into it. But even that wouldn't be enough. But uh <laughs> I know, right? So anyway, uh, episode 128 of the show, you can find the show notes more at lastnighters.com slash 128. Also, if you want to support us on the old Patreon, I started posting some additional content uh, that are like special offers where you can uh, purchase something or sign up for a service and you'll get some money off of that service. And then we will receive a small uh, commission or reward ourselves. So, you know, full disclosure, uh, it's not something that, you know, we're doing out of the kindness of our hearts, though all of the services that we recommend or things that we have on there, we use ourselves and do recommend them. So uh, go over to uh, lastnarrows.com slash Patreon, check it out, become a patron. Uh, you get all of these things even at the $1 level because based on our episode last week where Robert was talking about uh, our levels uh, during the Saving Private Ryan episode, and I said our minimum level is $3, uh, he was like, he was aghast at the high cost of that level. So I'm gonna change it down to $1, $1 Bob, 
to join us on Patreon to get at least uh, the basic uh, basic level of stuff. So I hope you're happy, Robert. Uh, you have affected change. Your protests were heard. Your voice was heard. Uh, you can stop destroying property. No, Daniel. And we, we will make this change. The mob. I, I will never be satisfied. It must go down to free because not releasing that content is theft, Daniel. Okay. Well, I hope that well, I can at least appease you no. now with- I'll never be appeased. There needs to be more <laughs> trans LGBT content in this podcast. There, there's there's going to be plenty. You just wait. You just wait. I can, um, I can get a wig for next time if you'd like. Please do. Yeah. All right. So I'm going to appease you with the Google description, which uh, is going to be brought to you by, um, I don't know, the Urban Carry G3, which is a uh, concealed carry holster that works very well, it's very comfortable, it uh, doesn't print or show, and it's uh, rather inexpensive, holds a firearm out of sight, out of mind, until you need it, just in case. Check it out at lastnerds.com slash G3. All right, and here we go. Superman, Red Sun came out this year, 2020. It's a PG-13 film. Uh, doesn't have a uh, genre, though it's a comic book film, of course. One hour, 24 minutes. It got 88% Rotten Tomatoes and 80% of Google users liked it. The description reads, instead of Kansas, the ship carrying baby Superman lands in the Ukraine. Superman is introduced to the world during the 1950s Cold War as a Soviet asset, causing panic in the United States. It was released on February 24th, uh, 2020, direct to video or streaming services or purchase, uh, digital, whatever, whatever fuckery they do these days, uh, directed by Sam Liu. And this was a screenplay uh, based on a three comic set by Mark Millar. And uh, it's got uh, the best character actor in Napoleon Dynamite, who's not a main character as one of the main characters in this film. It is, of course, Diedrich Bader. And uh, Robert, we'll go to you for your opening information. Yeah, Diedrich Bader plays a fantastic Lex Luthor in this film. Uh, his voice with the, like, the cocky, arrogant intelligence does an excellent job. So this film, yeah, when I first saw it, I was like, holy crap, this movie is so perfect for us. Just right up our alley. I mean, it's, it gets to this perfect conflict. You see this like, Concentric circles, the Venn diagram, where it's like comic book movie, communism versus capitalism, and they're constantly making like arguments back and forth about propaganda and the media, and it's just I don't know, it's just just so right up my alley that I I, I got really excited about it. So hopefully this show lives up to my 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 dream. But um, the film itself, I think you have to be familiar with the characters, but at this point, who isn't to really appreciate the the differences in the way they're taken and um yeah it's, it's it's a fun elseworld story about what would have happened if superman had been landed you know in russia instead of kansas and um there's even a russian batman and wonder woman shows up and she makes all kinds of like anti-man arguments just like how men are just crap and how women are just the best and uh, doesn't really explain why. Just 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 looks at the world as it is and goes, huh, man, terrible. Uh, as if men are solely responsible for the state of the world. I I don't know if you if you were to flip the sexual dimorphism of the the, the species and have women be the bigger, stronger uh, you know, protector, and have the men be the smaller child bearer. Uh, tell me if the world would be a whole lot different. I I, I challenge you. I. I don't see it. But um, yeah, no, this movie is a lot of fun. Um, I don't necessarily know that, you know, Brainiac, who kind of just arrives in the film and ultimately is like the sort of a villain, but not really, uh, is just the best 
conclusion for the movie it sets up. Like they kind of set up the film as this ideological difference between communism and totalitarianism. Like this is Superman, communist, totalitarian dictator guy. And then the Lex Luthor democratic, which is somehow different um, side. And there isn't really a, a resolution in that sense. It's just at the end, there's just this big punch up brawl. So it doesn't really resolve anything except for maybe it says that the Russian state is collapsing without Superman to run it. But I, you know, it's still, it's still a lot of fun. There's so much meat here to talk about. I've got a million notes and uh, yeah, I'm excited to get into it. Okay. Well, well said. And and I I know there's going to be a lot of content in here, but um, I think that the, uh, there is an arc for Superman to realize that no matter how hard he tries and no matter what ideals and how true he tries to be to them, that it's a non-workable system and that he comes to the realization by the end of the film that he is in fact doing evil totalitarian shit, the same that, that Stalin was doing, just maybe a slightly different variety. And once he discovered what Stalin was doing, he appropriately, I think, uh, laser beams him to death. Uh, but uh, yeah, let's, mm, let's get some to- awesome vigilante justice on his ass, huh, Daniel? Well, yeah, yeah, why not? Why Can we not? talk about how this movie's fault, it, the entire movie is the fault of a young girl hmm? who tells Superman that he needs to use his power for the state? Yeah, he needs to give his powers to the state, yeah. Because that's the best thing you could possibly do with your superpowers, is to, is to give the powers to the state? Well, I, I, I wouldn't say that it's necessarily her fault, but it is uh, the first domino, because mm-hmm. she was propagandized into that way of thinking. So I wouldn't say that she made that choice or that uh, suggestion of a clear mind, a fully developed rational mind, which is another thing I want to talk about when we get into this. But I want to go over to Shaheen and get your opening take on um, what we've talked about this far, the Google description, and maybe a little bit of background on the three comic series and how true this is to it, if if you know. Well, uh, you guys pretty much mentioned everything about it. I'm not really sure what else there is to say. I actually haven't read this comic yet, so I really wouldn't know how different it is. Um, but overly, yeah, communism versus capitalism, you know, the basic stuff. You have him, it kind of just shows that the only way to make anything work like this is just to is, is just to use force. Or, how, or you, you need superpowers or a magic brainiac alien supercomputer to actually be able to adequately make any calculations, which under a free market would be more efficient anyway. And even then, you still need to, you know, brainwash people anyway. Yeah, Superman has to, like, install, like, brain implants on people in order to get to do what he wants in order to create this communist utopia. You can't have dissent. So he yeah. either, either like in Stalin's case, he didn't have these brain implants. So he had to go send people to the cool. gulags, but Superman could use the power of Brainiac to uh, mold people into what he wanted. And, and then Batman comes along and, you know, complains and rightfully so he says, you know, we have the freedom to do what you tell us. It's not, not exactly freedom. Right. And, and to your point, Shaheen, that's even with Brainiac doing all these super economic calculations and Superman being a super being, super smart, super strong. He can like go and help in any situation that he has time to do and with the best of intentions. And even with all of that, they still needed to mind jack these people and put them into digital gulags or mental gulags to prevent them from having unsafe or un uh, unapproved thoughts even. And- and something else, like in the in the '80s section of the movie, when Lex Luthor becomes a president, it was shown that um, that the U.S. started improving as well. Like, and they did it not through force, or like maybe through like 
much less force at least compared to so even though superman had a supercomputer and the force and his own powers and everything the rest of the world still caught up while keeping their freedom as well which was an interesting thing yeah i'm curious why um the u.s was in such a terrible way in the early part of the film like the 40s 50s and 60s like with kennedy and whatnot and that there were riots. I mean, I guess there were riots at the time, like the, you know, 68 uh, Democratic Convention had riots or LA riots in Watts. So yeah, and there were the anti-Vietnam protests and things like that. So I guess just, I didn't understand how the film was depicting the US being so backwards when at that time in, you know, actual history, they were still like the leading economic uh, force in the world. Dude, they didn't have a Superman to lead them to prosperity somehow. So it's just a relative difference then? Uh, well, this is also a film that has the West building the Berlin Wall to prevent the spread of communism, when in reality, the Berlin Wall was built by the East Berliners to prevent people from escaping. It was not to stop the spread of communistic ideas as if communism is this idea that if it just spreads out and people move out with it, then it all of a sudden infects people. And this movie was weird. And then you got Superman coming in and destroying it, like Reagan style or whatever. Yeah, you remember? Do you remember when uh, Talib Kweli, that guy, the rapper guy, was like getting in a Twitter beef with Tom Woods? Mm-hmm. He he literally said, he literally said they built a wall in Berlin to keep people out yeah. of East Germany. That's not what happened. Actually, <laughs> if you watch, if you watch Bridge of Spies, is it Bridge of Spies? Tom Hanks. Yeah, the, the Tom Hanks movie. You, they show, I mean, people trying to escape East Berlin and getting machine gun. That's, I mean, I don't necessarily have like documents showing that that happened a whole bunch, but it, it was difficult to leave. That was the whole point. Yeah, you know, a, a film I've been talking about or considering doing, I might have I might have been talking about it, is uh, The Lives of Others. It's actually in German, so it's subtitled, but it's about the Stasi in East Germany and how... Um, they basically had pe- people turn on their neighbors and friends and family uh, in into the government for unsafe thoughts or whatever. Uh, so that would be a very interesting film to do at some point on the episode or on the show here. Indeed. Yeah. So let's talk about the very first time that Superman comes to the United States. He Lex Luthor destroys like his own satellite or something like that. Causes it was a death. Russian satellite. Those are the Russian satellite. Well, he, he was talking to Eisenhower to drop a satellite onto Metropolis. So then it happens. We can only assume that it was Lex that somehow did it. And then Superman comes down and says, you know, I'm not the enemy of the United States people. The Soviet only opposed the government that oppresses you. And then he talks about the press being the enemy of the people. And I, I can't really disagree with what he's saying right there. Uh, yeah, the government does oppress us. I mean, so does his. So he's not really being super honest there, but he's not wrong. But then when he says the press is the enemy of you because he doesn't want to do an interview with Lois Lane, I'm like, yeah, because, yeah, you're going to twist my words and you're not going to represent me, you know, uh, truthfully. Which I think it's I important know. to note that his alternative would be the state-run media of the USSR, which, in his opinion, would be, you know, very honest and truthful and everything. Well, yeah, yeah I think in the context, uh, I was reading, I have not read the comic, but I was reading about the comic. And in the comic, Clark Kent works at Pravda. And so I think you're right, Shaheen, is that he's not contrasting the press in a free market-ish versus, um, let me me rephrase, he's comparing it to his state-run system. 
basically. He's not comparing it to how we would view it today, where he's absolutely right and has demonstrated uh, for the last four years at minimum is that the press is the enemy of the people because they will misrepresent, misreport, and all this just to make one political side look worse than they are. Notice I'm not saying they're not bad, but I'm saying that they're intentionally made to look worse uh, as a result of misinterpretations or the least positive interpretation of any ambiguous event or anything like that. And so he's absolutely right. And in fact, the press is often called, what, the fourth estate, where there's supposed to be a check on government, sort of like how the government is supposedly supposedly broken up into three branches to check and balance each other. And then the press is there to check the government in general. But if you really look at today's situation in the United States, the press is basically the lapdogs of the government. They are just another arm of it. They're, for the most part, just reporting what is provided to them by officials. Uh, there are a few bold people who are actually investigative journalists uncovering things and turning things uh, you know, out as objectively as possible. But as we also know, everyone has bias. You, Everyone has a history. Everyone has uh, experiences that they bring to the table whenever they present anything to anybody. And so even as objective as you try to be, it's just impossible to actually be literally objective. And um, I think it was Noam Chomsky. Dave Smith made this uh, point to someone recently on uh, part of the problem. Uh, Noam Chomsky was talking to a reporter and he brought up the point that uh, there's definitely an ideological bent to how reporting happens. And the reporter took offense to this and it was like, you're, you're telling me these aren't my own thoughts. I don't truly believe what I'm reporting. And Noam Chomsky replied, no, I'm saying that's exactly what's happening. You think you're reporting the truth, but you wouldn't be here if you thought otherwise. Basically, you wouldn't be in this position if you didn't already have these preconceived ideas that you bring to the reporting that you do. You would never have been put in this position. And not only that, but also a lot of the uh, articles that get written um, are suffered to you know, editorial control. So the, the writer will write an article and then the editor editors will write the headline for it, which is often a huge you know, really influences a massive different take on what is actually presented in the article. And then they can also, they can also rearrange the information. So like the super important details that would normally, the, the author might've written at the top are now put down at the bottom and that can really color the, the flavor of the piece. So even if the author is of a certain ideological bent and that's why they're there, um, the people that are more neutral can still be used by certain editors to uh, tell the party line. Right. And Shaheen, you're, you're making a point, but um, I don't think we heard it. Oh, uh, the, um, the titles is all that most people see. Cause not everyone just reads the articles. They just like browse through all the headlines. If you have one misleading headline, you fool far more people than the people who actually read the article, even if the article's unbiased. Right. Yeah. Um, it, it, oddly enough, uh, Tom was just made this point. Um, Robert, I think it was pre-show where I was telling you, by the way, pre-show available, Patreon supporters, lastnighters.com slash Patreon, that the band Lady Antebellum, in response to the outrage over anything resembling anything from the South or the Confederacy, is now changing their name to Lady A. But the headline in the news article read, Lady Antebellum changes name, colon, we are deeply sorry, or something like that. As if the name is now, we are deeply sorry. So if you just read the headline, you'd think that they've changed their name to We Are Deeply Sorry. Yeah, headlines are always misleading, almost always. Good, good band name idea. Is it We Are Really Sorry? We are, <laughs> we are always sorry, which is so sorry. <laughs> so sorry, so sorry. So, okay, my yeah. audio should be better now. I just changed my microphone to the actual one next to my face as opposed to the other one. 
It does sound different now. Yeah. And now when you're muting, it will actually mute, which is okay. a big improvement. This is technology in action. This is what comes with the free market. You get improvements mm. in technology, in the quality, and you get a lower price. Due to I'm surprised you didn't complain about my microphone not being used earlier. The standard one must be decent, at least. Anyway. Well, I'm not one to complain. You know where our audio was a few short years ago. But um, anyway, let's talk about this uh, this false flag uh, situation with the satellite. I think it was a Russian satellite. And Lex did have a plan to have it drop over Metropolis. Lex, I think, is um, sort of, Shaheen, I think you've mentioned this before, but Lex in the comics is this super genius who has all of these things figured out well in advance. And they highlight that in this film. He knows where this satellite's going to come down based on his actions. And he also makes a point at the end of the movie like that, that all the events leading up to this decades in the making have led to the point that he anticipated that it would lead to. Um, so Lex does seem to be this super genius. Uh, to um, So I think it plays true to at least the depiction you've given to me of Lex in the comics. Although this isn't a this isn't exactly like the Lex, the Lex Luthor from the mainstream comics either. And everyone's a bit different in this reality, which kind of just goes without saying. But yeah, more or less, he still does have that um, insane intelligence of being... 10 steps ahead of everyone else. Right. Which yeah. I appreciated yeah. because in, in most movie depictions, he's like this weird bumbling kind of smart guy that has some kind of a land grab scheme. And that's about it. Yeah, this, think, this one, he's like this chess playing genius guy that's yeah. planning I, I things out ahead of time. BVS, so Batman V Superman with Jesse Eisenberg was the, is the only movie role that has him not be some sort of real estate guru who wants to destroy land and sell it. It's the only one that showed him, like playing people like chess pieces and staying up against each other. Yeah, that's for sure. It's getting he's getting closer in that in that iteration for sure. We'll see more of him in the Snyder Cut as well, which is coming next year on HBO Max. Yeah, maybe we will see. Maybe. Yeah, that's got me excited. And you know, the, we we mentioned this on on a previous show, but yeah, the the plebes found that the release the Snyder Cut campaign was eventually successful. But we also know that tons and tons of money are being thrown at streaming services in quote unquote the streaming wars and i can't imagine that all of it is being allocated with the best uh prudence shall we say but i think the snyder cut is a is a worthy endeavor and uh, I'm, I'm happy that it's being done yeah there's a lot of money being thrown at these systems to try and grab your eyeballs and uh as a consumer this is a golden age for the most part for the amount of uh, entertainment you can get for the amount of dollars you're spending it's not all the qualityest of content but can't get all all gold right yeah um so robert i wanted to to point out um you know the the scene at the dam where superman is giving the speech and it's like the first time that he's really given a speech stalin is applauding him and saying that the work on this dam uh took all of these people but it couldn't be done without our superman and it's true there's never been a dam built in the world without a superman involved <laughs> all dams are due to superman yep um but he tries Uber to play because he's he is an idealist, you know. He really he has drank the Kool Aid on this stuff. He really believes what he was told that this communist ideal is a noble effort, and he is doing his damnedest to ser serve the state. And says he is just a servant of the state, but he's also trying to spread the wealth of those accolades to the common people, to the people who worked on the dam. And he says, you know, we can accomplish anything as long as we stay united by our ideals. Now, I'm not saying that Malar has studied Mises or Rothbard or Hayek or anyone else, but um, 
at least he poses some questions, some interesting questions here. And even with Brainiac coming on the scene, and I'm not clear, at least from the film, if Brainiac is a creation of an artificial intelligence or alien intelligence created or discovered by Luthor, but it does seem as if it's um, one of those long cons, if it was Luthor putting Brainiac up to this, to have him go and um, shrink Stalingrad and then pretend to be defeated by Superman. But, well, I... (laughs) I went like five questions there somewhere. I, I want to say felt like you're you're building up to something, but it felt like you just kind of petered out at the end there. Yeah, yeah. I just, from I, my I, understanding, uh, Brainiac is an alien intelligence machine creature. I don't okay, think yeah. it's made by anybody on the planet Earth. Was he not sent to uh, attack? No, he's just like a guy that wants to learn everything. In, in he wants most... to collect everything. Yeah, yeah. Like, he usually collects cities and has them little tubes like all, okay. all over his ship, and then. Obviously, he thought it would be easier using communism to control the entire Earth instead. I see. Okay. So so in this film, it's not very clear. It it seems as if it's just another round of Americans doing something offensive. Yeah. The Americans taking yeah. an offensive action. Yeah. This has a lot of assumed knowledge. Like It assumes you already know who Brainiac is, that he's an alien. He collects worlds, and he's just another invader. Yeah, it doesn't do any good job of explaining who Brainiac is, but it also doesn't spend any time explaining who necessarily Superman or Batman are. I mean, you see a little bit, tiny little bit of Batman's origin that he's in the Gulag, and you know Clark that he's on the well. It's not his name isn't Clark here in this one, but you know he's he's on a farm with the dead bodies of his parents, just lying there. Did you notice that? No, I didn't notice that. But I saw the bats behind him, of course. if, If you go to the child Bruce Wayne scene in the first scene, he's in. You can see his parents lying on the bed, both dead. Is there a is there a string of pearls? <laughs> uh, I don't think you could afford a string of pearls. <laughs> yeah, it's well. Uh, that's why I wanted Daniel to have Batman as as a backdrop. There, he's clearly the best character in this film. He's the one guy that actually can stand up to Superman with his the power of his mind, and he demonstrates why communism and totalitarian authoritarianism will uh, always will always fail and always face these uh there you go will always face uh pushback in the form of freedom fighters or whatever you want to call them they'll call, they'll call them terrorists and i don't necessarily agree that you know you should go ahead and murder a bunch of people oh, in some too. museum or whatever but the fact that he was fighting back against i mean i totally support the uh the uh, with the help of lex luthor he gets those lamps and he Beats the ever-loving shit out of Superman who never learned how to fight because he, why would he? He's just like the most powerful man ever. So he just gets his ass handed to him by a good old uh, Batman and his ground pound. It was a great damn. Yeah, that was, that was an interesting point I wanted to make as well that yeah, Superman never had to learn that stuff because he was already so powerful that uh, nothing could hurt him anyway. But Batman, being a mortal man, he had to learn how to fight. He had to get really good at it. And you mentioned, you know, Batman using his mind to try to defeat Superman. He came very, very close. Luthor similarly used his mind to defeat the power of Superman. Indeed. Now, he also acts very immorally to do so. Um, But I don't don't know. Where do you guys stand? I mean, you got Superman, who's this authoritarian dictator who's like putting, you know, destroying people's brains and whatever, making them into robots to do his bidding. Kind of seems like he's got a whole bunch of hostages uh, and but then here comes Lex, who creates this life to fight Superman, knowing that he's going to die, knowing that he's going to overload this uh, this body superior and kill him. Man. Yeah, the Superior Man. And then you know Lois pushes back on him. He's like, "You just killed that guy." 
And Lex is like, yeah, well, you know, you got to break some eggs, fight Superman. Lex in this story wasn't necessarily a bad guy. He was just kind of morally ambiguous, especially in that one scene. Um, and same with Batman. I mean, they, they were kind of the good guys, but they're going up against such a threat that the morality kind of just gets out of whack. So like we get Batman murdering civilians and blowing up museums and all, which I reckon he should have been blowing up like Soviet um, military stations, Air Force bases or whatever. Like he blew, he blew up all those helicopters. Like that was good. And then obviously getting Superman and trapping Wonder Woman. So I agree with that. I was just hoping for him. I was like, I knew it wasn't going to happen, but I was like begging, come on, just snap Superman's neck. Come on. He killed civilians. <laughs> yeah, kill him. Right there. Yeah, and it's it's interesting when um, Lex let uh, Superman be aware of the gulags that Stalin was running. I mean, that was a, a very deliberate thing, and he knew that that would lead to a confrontation with Stalin. And it, it makes the Jordan Peterson point. You know, he says... Everyone thinks that they are the ones who can implement communism the right way. It's just that they're doing it wrong every time. But even when you're doing it, someone is going to be right there ready to shoot you thinking you're doing it wrong and thinking they have a better idea. And that's what we saw here demonstrated when Superman laser beamed uh, Stalin. And, you know, to Stalin's point, he was saying, yeah, you have to, you know, you can't accept any dissent. That's what we're seeing from the left today. You can't dissent in any way. Um, and that these people had to be killed for the system to work. These terrible things have to happen for the governmental system to function. And in a way, yeah, you're kind of right, because a government is a t- territorial monopoly on the use of force. And if you don't like it, well, they're going to escalate and not allow you to <laughs> uh, not go along with what they want. If, if they demand something of you, um, you know, you're going to need to do it. Otherwise, uh, things are not going to turn out so well for you. Yeah, and it shows how um, Superman, you know, as soon as he kills Stalin for the crime of, you know, killing people who didn't agree with him, of course, then he goes and mind controls people that don't agree with him. But yeah, you're always going to have people that disagree with you because that's the nature of humanity. I mean, people are always being exposed to different information and they're always going to have different opinions on things. But you can't get allow people to get in to uh, interfere with your your vision of just 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 make this utopia. But you know, he's a communist. And as soon as he kills Stalin, like these soldiers bust in the room and they all like bow to him. And I was like, you're bowing to this guy. I mean, yeah, yeah, he's this all powerful alien God creature thing. But I thought you're all supposed to be like equal under communism. I mean, was that the was that the nature of the beast? I mean, I I thought from what I understand, Stalin was a true believer. He was like full on communism. This is the way to go. This is the best possible world. People you know, working together, nobody owning property, blah, blah, blah. But people kept getting in the way of having different ideas. And so they had to be taken care of. But I, at least that seemed, I mean, of course, then there was also the cult of Stalin. And you got all these pictures of Stalin all over everywhere, plastered everywhere. And you got all this Pravda talking, you know, truth, talking about all kinds of different propaganda. But man, it just, it just seems like it became a cult of Uncle Joe and then a cult of Superman instead of this communist idea. I don't know. Maybe that's what they all devolve into. Yeah, more or less. Yeah, I think it's easier to follow a man rather than study the ideas and follow those ideals, you know, which is kind yeah, of just tell us what to do, Superman. Yeah, it's the same brand my doctor smokes. Come on. Funniest line <laughs> in the movie, by the way. <laughs> yeah, and it was funny because... Um, Back in the 50s, was, I actually thought that it was healthy. Right, and it was also the point where Superman was saying, well, the... the press is going to distort information and she's supposed to be this arbiter of truth and claiming that he's afraid of the expression of ideas. And then there she is repeating a line that at the time was accepted, but has 
later been found out to be not truth that you know cigarettes are not actually good for you um Unless they are. I mean, unless the propaganda is such that I've been now brainwashed to think that they're bad and they're actually good. I don't know. I don't know. He's got like x-ray vision. He can see the damage being done to the lungs as it happens. So I don't know. I might want to take his word for it. (laughs) I don't know. I don't know. But I do like that in this movie, Superman, he goes, you know, what are you going to do now, Superman, after he kills Stalin? And he goes, well, now I'm going to save the world. And this is just the dream of every totalitarian, authoritarian, dictator, conqueror type person that they have this ultimate dream for the world. And as long as they can get everybody to toe the line, it'll just be great. But unfortunately, they don't they don't want to explain and convince people that their ideas are right. They're just like, well, I can't convince some people. So I'm just going to I'm just going to deal with them the other way. And credit. He's just going to mind control you with a machine. Didn't he have a line where he said that we're going to be a beacon, a shining example, and people will want to join us? Yeah. When he's tearing down the Berlin Wall and shortly before and after that, I think he's talking about that. When when Brainiac's talking about invading the United States, he's like, No, they're gonna we're gonna show them, we're gonna beat them by being the better by beating the better country or whatever. Right. And I thought that was actually an appropriate thing to say. And that's what, you know, the United States allegedly in the past has said that what were the ideals here? Um, but then there was sort of this um, antagonistic arms race where, like you said, he wanted to go and liberate people. He he mentioned when he came to the U.S. and saved people from the satellite that he that the the Americans were oppressed. He reengaged in the, the um, Korean Korea. conflict, uh, and he he turned around a war that had been three years in the winning by the U.S. and turned it into a victory for his side in under three hours. And he made an interesting comment after it. He was like, the prior conflict cost 3 million lives. And while I regret the loss of life today of several thousand people, I felt like, you know, the calculation was worth it, right? Like now it's resolved and fewer people died than the previous resolution to the engagement or to the, you know, to the war. And it's it's weird because you're like, you're trading lives, you're calculating life for life, or, or you're measuring conquest in bodies. And that's kind of a fucked up way to do it. And he even um, echoed the Stalin point or the comment quote of one death is a tragedy. Millions is a statistic. And in a way he's right. I mean, yeah, everyone is individually affected by somebody who dies, uh, their friends, family, loved ones, whatever. Um, and so every single one is felt subjectively and experienced on an individual level. But then when you get into like uh, the bigger arena of, historical narratives, media narratives, then it becomes like just statistics being thrown around, just huge numbers, and it loses the impact of each individual death. Um, it's almost like a... Um, it's harder to care for everyone when there's a right. million people to care about. Yeah, it's just too much to handle. You can't emotionally deal with that kind of scale. Right, and every single one of those millions of people had an individual subjective experience that, that their death impacted other people's lives. Yeah, I forget the uh, general that said it, but it was like, you know, war is horrific. It's better to be over quickly and brutal and short than to drag on and, you know, destroy more and more lives that way. Of course, war is obviously horrific and immoral. But, I mean, if you had to choose, I guess the way Superman does it in Korea is probably the best way if if it had to happen. I don't know. Yeah. Now, Superman was basically saying that he was going to liberate Korea and other peoples around the world who are being oppressed. So he wanted to branch out his system, not just within the U- USSR, but spread it. 
But was the United States also doing the same thing? Like they were interceding in the things happening in the USSR, like the civil rights violations and the war crimes and the gulags and, and the things that even Superman was doing, even with the best of quote unquote intentions. But were they not also trying to impose their, uh, you know, their ideals, but through force by sending Super Duperman, Super Superman over to fight Superman? Yeah, the, the Super Duperman comes in and says, I'm, you know, or, or Superman goes, you're an invader. And he's like, no, I'm a liberator. And that's the endless debate, right? I mean, is he a liberator if he ends up killing Superman in that situation? Probably. But then he's also technically an invader because not everybody else wants him to be there. These are just things you say about someone doing a thing. I don't know. Right. And this is obviously a corollary to the nuclear arms race, right? The buildup of rather than nuclear arms, organic biological uh, being uh, weapons. Yeah. Like with the with the uh, Green Lantern Corp later on in the movie, man, who actually don't do a damn thing. Yeah, pansies. Well, no, they had him on the ropes, and then Wonder Woman shows up again, and who I should mention looked really cute with the uh, white hair, like the 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 last time we saw her. And did you notice that how the eagle she had had two heads? Mm-mm. So, you know, her suit has like an eagle normally, and the one here is like the Russian one that has two heads. I just thought that was a pretty funny Easter egg. Yeah, so oh, over the over the chest. Yeah. Mm-mm. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. So what is the story with, with Wonder Woman in this? So she's D- Diana and she's Wonder Woman early she's in the like film. A feminist who hates men. Yeah, yeah, there's that. Obviously, she mentions she that. Of course. So so is Lois, by the way. Lois doesn't like him either. Um, but with Wonder Woman, she wants to help Superman with his intentions, his good intentions. But she even she doesn't understand the problems inherent with what he's trying to do or, or the methods by which he's trying to do it or not necessarily the methods, but like the end state he's trying to reach. And then the methods become a problem for her, but she doesn't seem to be aware that, that that's not going to work either. And I think her mother, uh, what's her name? Helena or Hippolyta. Hippolyta. She, she has a point that is made at the very, very end where she's like, um, people need to be free to make their own mistakes to be able to, you know, have a functioning society or something like that. So that was after all the man hating. Right. And and it seems like Superman finally gets that at the very, very end. But before that, he's like, no, 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 this is my utopia. I need to build it by whatever means necessary for the greater good. And, if, right. you know, the greater good is made by a whole bunch of bodies. That's just what has to happen. And, and just something else for clarification. In many cases, I'm not sure in all cases in this movie, but in a lot of cases throughout like Wonder Woman lore, when they say man, they usually mean like mankind as in humans. And like they, like they, they don't always mean like just men. Like that was something that was elaborated in behind the scenes. Maybe not in this movie. In this movie, she was kind of man hating, but in in general, yeah. So like in this movie, comment. definitely just men, penises. That was the the point of this movie was that men with penises were bad, irredeemable. But, we're always going to end up bad no matter what. But in the comics, it's mankind. It's just yeah. Humans. It's just like yeah, humans. Like they're a different race of people. The Amazon. Yeah, the, the, the Amazon. They're different. Yeah. Now, is is Wonder Woman? Is she such that she has some magical abilities or curse or anything? Yeah, she, like keeping her young because like half a god, lasso, right, or something like that. Once yeah, her lasso is destroyed, she, then she daughter, becomes a woman. Zeus is her father, so she is like a demigod, and she can okay. like stay young. And like even in in the movie and the comics, yeah, that is the case. But it's tied to that lasso of truth, right? And once she breaks that, then she becomes old. Um, I, that I'd never seen that before. 
I thought so in this case, but then she comes back young again at the end. So Just with white hair. Yeah, like I don't know what was going on. I think it it aged her because like drained so much of her power. Like she wouldn't age normally, but to break the lasso, which it's not really part of her. It's more like a we- a special weapon that she does appropriate and take. Um, that kind of just caused like so much power depletion that she had to age, but then she recovered. Then was did was she able to break that because Batman said that she could speak freely and and did she somehow harness that because because the lasso truth is sort of like binding her to an agreement to listen to the whatever she's instructed right and she can't defy that so when batman said you may speak freely did he make a mistake and did she somehow use that to then break the lasso and then that allowed her to um hobble on over to the generator and lift it up and still break it in half even though she's an old lady i'm not sure she might have done that anyway okay so it's sort of well, like that, the, um, the red witch in uh game of thrones like she turned to an old lady at the end spoilers everyone and then, uh, then she comes back like Gandalf the White, like after he falls down fighting the uh, what is it the the foe that's beyond any of you. Uh, I haven't seen Game of Thrones, so I wouldn't really know. Oh, uh, see, I, I'm here ruining everything for everyone. That's and right. uh, Robert has apparently disappeared, but uh, it's okay. He he can be a champion of freedom and equality. Uh, while we wait for him. Really, the spoilers get really pissed him off, huh? <laughs> he got mad. He just left us. Yeah. Well, you know, I think there was another good point that was made. Um, and I think this was Lois making the point. But she she said that, uh, aren't you afraid of anything? And he said that he's not, Superman said in reply. And she says, well, fearlessness can breed arrogance so that you can make mistakes by not uh, understanding what risks are or not learning from things. And so it's that arrogance can cause you to um, fall into making mistakes that you otherwise wouldn't make because you had kind of had this assumption that you already know everything and that would make you fearless or overconfident. Yeah, probably. I don't know what you're talking about. Well, uh, the other thing I liked about that scene, this, I'm talking about the Lois Lane scene where he finally does have uh, an interview with her at the top of the Daily Planet building. Yeah, where she's smoking the cigs. Yeah, smoking the cigs. And he says that he's a champion of freedom and equality. Uh, and her reply to that is um, that, well, America is built on those ideals. And he says, it's built on the blacks on the backs of slaves and immigrants so that you can live in your privilege. Yes, very much the social justice type narrative that even though that's been debunked so many times, like the American wealth has created has multiplied thousands and thousands of times since we've moved on from slave labor. In fact, that was probably what was holding it back. It would lead to free workers means less um, reason to come up with innovation. So can I declare it a while back? So if anything, yeah. that held them back. Right. And it's also not like um, this may be controversial, but it's not like he was free because they had to have food and housing and, you know, things for a living. And so it's not like a costless thing. You know, there was mm-hmm. still a cost to it. Um, and it was less efficient than technological advancement that would have otherwise occurred. It's sort of like when the minimum wage gets raised, it makes um, the advancement of technology that much more uh pencil out more economically speaking so that you can then invest in getting, you know, like self-checkout kiosks installed and other advancements that don't rely on as much physical labor. I, I kind of see that akin to um, it, it pushed the slavery question further into advancements to, um, to make, you know, the cotton being picked more efficient than it ever would have been had they maintained that system, like in that same period of time. Right. Yeah, if you don't have a bunch of slaves to pick the cotton, you got to figure out how to do it. You got to innovate, 
right? right. You got to figure out a, a different way. And in this case, you know, it was an improvement because on moral grounds, you know, you don't want to be enslaving people. Uh, it's just not right, man. No, it's just a big pain in the ass too. You know, you gotta, yeah, you gotta worry about all those people doing all the stuff all the time. Right. And another point that Dave Smith had made um, not too long ago was I, I have been listening to a lot of Dave Smith lately. He was oh, like, Daniel. if you were sitting somewhere in 1840, would you have ever thought that in 25 years, slavery would be abolished? And there, you know, you wouldn't be worried about who's going to pick the cotton or how the cotton will be picked, you know, and, and he likens that to the situation we're at today, where oh, we sure. may not even know how much change might occur in the next decade, decade and a half, whatever to where we may feel like we're in a very dire situation now, especially with the lockdowns, coronavirus, and the riots and all of these things. It feels like things are really falling apart. But at the same time, we're seeing all of these misinformations and contradictory reports in the mainstream media and in government where they're um, saying one thing and then saying the other, and then you don't know uh, which one is correct. And it seems to be sort of awakening a lot of people to how full of shit a lot of these institutions are. And so I've, I've heard that people are getting sort of red-pilled on this, and who knows where that could lead. Can work. Well, I never thought that... I mean, the, the, the left is such a monolithic religion where you have to be in lockstep with, like, everything that they believe. No deviation. I never thought, yeah, you can't deviate. So when someone on the left with, like, blue check mark or whatever comes out and says, especially if it's a black person, they come out and say abolish the police or defund the police... And then everybody's like, oh, yeah, 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 great idea, great idea, great idea. I never thought that, I mean, of course, it's, I don't think it's actually going to come to fruition that the police are going to go away and there's going to be some sort of a market for cops. I, I, I don't see that an happening. An actual solution? An, an actual, actual solution. It, they'll, they'll, they'll rebrand it. They'll change a few things. Then they'll be totally happy and forget it and move on to the next outrage. But still, them going straight to defund the police. I never thought I'd actually see that because, you know, the police are the enforcement arm to to enforce the taxation to pay for all their social programs that, that, that are keeping, you know, people alive, you know, keeping the black people alive. Because without without the government, you know, you'd, we'd everybody would just be dying in the streets. So that, I don't know if I'm happy about that or <laughs> sad about that, but it is interesting to watch. It's very entertaining. I don't know if we're, we're, we're closer to a free society or farther away, but... It's, it's always good when they set up. A, it's always good when they set a station on fire, though. It's always fun to watch. Yeah, I can't. I can't. I mean, I'd probably bust out the marshmallows, but I don't know. <laughs> yeah, that was the one in Minneapolis, and then they, uh, of course, took over the one in Seattle. Um, but you know, it goes back to the whole um, the leftists, especially the intellectual left, are pretty good at identifying a problem or seeing a problem and seeing that something's not quite right. But their prescription solutions. Yeah, the solutions are always worse. It's more of the same thing that begot the problem to begin with. It'll just be different. Time. Yeah, yeah. So like like even with Superman and Stalin, like Superman could see the problems with what Stalin was doing. And then he like vowed to do better. And yeah, he changed up how he was going to do the evil nefarious shit. But he still did the evil nefarious shit. Well, just he didn't want to use he didn't want to use the press. I mean, I guess in the comic book, he used the press like Pravda. But in this movie, there was no Pravda. So, and he was like kind of anti-press. So he had to use the the mental, the physical mind control in, instead of the propaganda mind control. Yeah, so he's just doing uh, communism wrong, basically. Well, you know. Oh, did you guys notice that um, that scene where um, Superman's got his like a little panopticon, computer screens all over the place, and he's talking to Wonder Woman. She's like checking out all this stuff. And then Brainiac comes up and he's like, give, him, give me the report, Brainiac. And Brainiac's all, since we put uh, this drug in the water supply, the suicide rate has gone down. Yeah. So that's nice. I mean, 
there's been talk of uh, you know fluoride in the water here in the United States, and whether you think it's a good idea or not, it is forced drugging. Whether you think it's important to have fluoride, you know, you couldn't possibly you know do it yourself if you really think it's that important. And also, I don't know the the point of actually drinking it as opposed to just swishing it around in your teeth. But whatever, um, it it does show that. I mean, maybe maybe Millar's trying to make a point about fluoride in the water or forced drugging, but uh, to have your villains in the movie doing it, I did appreciate that. Yeah, and what other drug would you say, oh, it doesn't matter how much you take? Like, there's no accounting for the dosage that someone might take? Drink as much as you want, buddy. Don't worry about it. It's all good. No doctor in the world would be like, yeah, no worries. Just, just, just pound it all day long. <laughs> yeah, so uh, there was another line, and I don't remember who said it, but uh, it struck a chord with me because it's so anti what's happening these days. I think Superman said, um, you need to find common ground and not keep your heads in the sand. And maybe it was, maybe it was Wonder Woman. Um, but that seems to be totally lost. Now there is no finding common ground. There's only, if you disagree with me, you're evil Mm -hmm. and you need to lose your job. You need to be publicly shamed and you need to be threatened with violence. Yep. Well, you're going against the religion. So you, you're obviously a heretic. Blasphemer, mm-hmm. right? And they you don't just get wrong. Think they they don't just attack people of other ideologies, but it's even people w- of the same stripe. And this is the the concept of the left eating their own. This so is the struggle anyone, sessions, right? If anyone who even is like ninety nine percent in alignment on these things, and they probably participated in a similar scenario previously, where if somebody stepped out of line even a tiny little bit, had one minor deviation, uh, they got subjected to this very same thing, and then you know, downstream, of course, they're going to end up getting subjected to it as well. And I just got to ask, like, how does this um, movement perpetuate itself when they're so quick to excommunicate people for the slightest difference? You'd think they'd be thinning their numbers. It reminds me of Stalin in pre-World War II. When he was going through the purges, he got rid of pretty much all his top generals. Like nobody was Russian or communist enough. So he was just killing everybody. And then he got invaded by Hitler. And he was like, oh, shit. Well, we got, we got Zukov. <laughs> we got Zukov. I mean, we could promote these guys. I don't know. We could hear you. You've, you, you've, you've seen a tank before, right? Maybe you could go do some stuff. Uh, yeah, man. Uh, there's a definitely, you excommunicate enough of your brain. There's brain drain. And I, I mean, I don't know. I don't really put a lot of stock in their intellectual capacity anyway. But I mean, they do have an incoming farm system, to, to use a baseball analogy here. Because they have the indoctrination centers, the day prisons, where it's steeped in leftist ideology, whether it's acknowledged mythology. Yes. And so, yeah, you got a new crop every year of people coming into this. Uh, So even if you lose people on the back end, you know, the older folks who are, you know, getting into the late 20s and 30s or or misstep, um, they're quickly replaced by fresh recruits who are idealistic and not, um, not experienced enough to know any better. Indeed. Um, going back to the movie, uh, it's, oh, we're talking about a movie. Oh, we're talking about this movie, Daniel. Um, a couple of times in the film, Superman, he keeps mentioning that he needs more time. And Wonder Woman's like, I see what you're trying to do here. This is like fantastic. This is super wonder bar. Keep it going. But what it, he, he seems to be under the delusion, at least for most of the film, that people are changeable and that these authoritarian totalitarian measures are only going to be temporary. And that somehow he can create this new kind of person that has different response to incentives differently or doesn't need incentives or, you know, it's the idea of this new communist man, right? 
this new socialist man that's going to come in and be totally different, unlike normal human being with their normal faults and incentives and ideas. I mean, I guess he ultimately decides that that was stupid at the end, but it, it makes me wonder, like, what are you waiting for? What What is it about time in regards to changing the nature of mankind? It seems like, I, I don't know, I, I don't understand that mentality that, well, I just need 20 years and then I'll create a human being, uh, millions and millions of human beings that somehow believe and act and think differently. But, but I mean, the states have been doing a pretty damn good job in at least convincing people that states are necessary, but they haven't been so good at creating people that respond to incentives differently or have different desires and needs and wants that are outside of, you know, the human scope of reality. Yeah. But know. we were just talking about, you know, like the, the day prisons and, and the indoctrination centers, right. you know, that's generational uh, propagandizing and it does change how people view the world and it skews them to see these things like for the opposite of what they actually are oftentimes. So it's very Orwellian, right. brave new world and all this stuff. And I think I sent you um, recently the uh, Yuri Bezmenov uh, lecture. He's a former KGB agent. He talks about psychological subversion and the four stages of that subversion and how they it, how it is generational and they get people to uh, fall in line with um, this destabilization of critical thinking and being able to rationally think things through. And it actually breeds uh, the ability to um, withstand cognitive dissonance and, and find no issue with it. They can hold two competing ideas that are contradictory at the same time and it not uh, really affect them. Right. You can be deluded enough to have multiple instances of cognitive dissonance in your head. And, and the state indoctrination is really good at creating people that believe that the state is necessary. But you're not going to change the fact that people respond to incentives. Yeah, people something that desire goods and services. Yeah, some things are just human nature. Rewards. Yeah, human nature. Probably like removed, no matter what you do. Right, and and what we're talking about often, and especially in this film with human nature being greedy, the capitalists being greedy, but that's only because they're thinking about in in terms of money or a standard of living, uh, opulence, and not in the acquiring satisfactions to uh, resolve deficiencies that they're experiencing. Like if they're experiencing thirst or hunger, they want to satisfy that. If they're requiring clothing, they want to satisfy that. So it's not just money. Money's just a proxy for these things. By the way, the more money you print, you're not making more things. So you're just diluting the value of the money to purchase those things. So more money will be needed to try to get the same amount of goods and services that would otherwise be there. But um, the point is that they're not thinking of the human nature of you're trading one state for a less desirable state for a more favorable state. That is the greed that everybody has. Everyone is trying to make decisions that are best for them to improve their situation from one, from one moment to the next. And I, I think that that's a disconnect that a lot of these people who claim that greed is all about money don't seem to get, is that money is merely just one factor. It's just a, a useful tool. It's a medium by which you can use to acquire for exchange to get those things that you desire. But it's not just money and it's not just greed. It's people are going to move are going to react and act in an economic manner. They want right. to use the least amount of effort and, and resources to achieve the ends that they desire. Right. Money is a storage of value. It's just a, a, that's all it is. And then people want to improve their lives and the lives of their children and improve the, the states. Like you said, uh, 
that that doesn't go away under communism or capitalism or socialism or any other ism you can come up with. That's just human nature to want a better world to improve the situation they find themselves in. Right. On an and, individual level. Right. And then, and then Superman comes along or Joseph Stalin or Chairman Mao or anybody else comes along and says, no, you're wrong for feeling that. I mean, you can force people to act away from their nature, but you're not right. going to change people's desires that, that that's just that's just foolhardy I, it's a waste of time and lives and energy and everything else yeah so but communism um, fails <laughs> and and it's because they can't calculate rationally calculate with brainiac they can sort of like approximate but even that and Sheen, you said this earlier yeah, even then it's like no competitive markets and like different people like you wouldn't know like like, like music says without a free market you know you can't really calculate anything because you don't know what the demand for anything is when the state owns everything. <laughs> Even if you can efficiently I say, okay, well, we're not going to be wasting money here. We'll make this, we'll make this much food for this many people, invest this much in this building or whatever. How do you know that's what everyone actually wants? Is that should be taking into account everyone's individual um, wants and needs and also like planning for that? And in real that, time, yeah, as it changes? That, yeah, that's a bit far-fetched even for, for Brainiac to be able to do. Right. Right, and you bring up a good point impossible. that without the com without the competition, uh, if you're just making these calculations based on the set parameters of what you're given, you're not going to get the innovation that's going to be driving the proliferation of additional goods and services and new technologies and new ideas that are going to possibly satisfy people's desires that they may not even be aware of yet. Did Steve Jobs know that people wanted, or did people know they wanted an iPad before Steve Jobs made one? Nope. Yeah, the incentive problem to innovate doesn't exist. Something else, like, like in that, like when Superman was explaining things to Wonder Woman and asked for a um, just a status report from Brainiac, like he says, "Oh, child mortality, the average living, what was it the life expectancy was like ninety seven, and it kept increasing." Yeah. yeah, and like all that stuff, and showed like all the crops being like made and everything. Yeah, sure, maybe with with a Superman and a Brainiac, you can kind of do that. But if that was privatized. And that was you're able to do that for good. Uh, you have a Superman and a Brainiac like in the free market with competition. You would get what you had there, plus improvements because it'll be competition, it'll be better, and you wouldn't have to sacrifice your freedom as well. No microchips. I'm sold. Now, why? Why? Why did Superman and Brainiac with the Superman Brainiac combo team tag team action? Why did they feel the need? Of course, you know Superman. This is the story that he takes over for Stalin. But if he had just used Brainiac as an operator in the free market, he could have created all kinds of products that would have improved the lives of all these people tenfold over what he was trying to do through force. I mean, if he's, if he's got such great ideas, why does he have to force them on people? That's a good point. Yeah. If, if your ideas are so good, why do you have to enforce them with a gun? Because they're just that good. You can't make the wrong, you can't have the wrong idea in your head, can you? Now let's uh, talk about Lex a little bit. At, at one point, uh, Lex gets elected president and the news is just like, you know, the United States is this massive turnaround thanks to the bold leadership of or whatever Lex, the masterful leadership that he's just fantastic. And of course, this again, still fails the knowledge test. I don't care how smart Lex is. He's not, doesn't have the knowledge of 300 million people that he could tell them all what to do and what they need. I'm just going to assume that Lex just freed up the markets. And That's that was the one thing I was going to say, Shaheen. Yeah. Unless he went full laissez-faire. Yeah. I'm not buying it. Yeah, yeah. I think Lex that in, in the movie they were trying to present it as Lex is almost as smart as Brainiac. Right, but ultimately he yeah. should have just been like, hands off, then okay. Get your damn hands off her. That's the free market, hey, baby. You. Yeah. 
All right. So um, we are already long. It's It's been over an hour. Uh, so the show is technically already in extra length here. So are there any other points you guys want to bring up? Any final notes before we get into final summary and review? Um, and before we get to the whole, like, I'm sure this will be a discussion, but why does this film end slobbing the knob of democracy and world government as if that's some kind of great thing? Yeah. Oh, yeah. When he says it, United States, I was like getting red flags, like, oh, no, no, no. Step the fuck down, Lex. Yeah, United States of the world. Yeah. Uh, uh. So, yeah, Robert- to love democracy and as if that changes anything, like, takes just because 51% of the people somehow vote for a thing doesn't make it a good thing. So a lot of people, when they say democracy, they that's their word for like a kind of freeish society because they, they just don't know any better. So when they say democracy, they think that's the freest system. You can, they obviously don't mean just a pure democracy where, you know, you can just decide to take people's rights away. They mean like a constitutional republic-ish sort of thing where yep. everyone has some rights. But Yeah, where yeah. you can't get your rights voted away from you, but somehow the best ideas come forward through competition somehow. Yeah. That's, that's generally what people seem to think. I think that's what people who actually consider the question might come to think on a very shallow level, but I think that most people just equate democracy to good, like synonym, good. Yeah, yeah, freedom, democracy, freedom. Come on, they're the same thing, right? Yeah, liberty. Um, we talk about Hans Hermann Hoppe's book, Democracy, the God that Failed. It's an excellent book, and it goes into the many reasons why democracy is not such a hot idea and why it fails, uh, because it really is just mob rule. And as we all know, there's a lot of people out there who are somewhat economically illiterate and they still think they can have opinions on matters. Mm-hmm. And so I think something like 85% of people support a minimum wage or a higher minimum wage, but they don't seem to understand what the effects of minimum wages are. And so it just goes to show you that even if an overwhelming majority of people believe one thing, it doesn't make it the right thing to do. Yeah. Anyway, All right. um, I was going to say know, something about the majority of people wanting to like stab somebody and then I don't know what I'm doing. Anyway, um, so final summary. So uh, this is a really good example of the best intentions, the best laid intentions. Like Superman is a true believer. We know Superman. He's got a good heart. He he believes, you know, he doesn't want to hurt people. He wants to, to remove human suffering. That's his goal. And, you know, I don't care what your noble intentions are. If the, you have to kill and murder people to achieve your noble intentions, uh, but the the most I think there are a lot of I mean sure there are a lot of cynical um, just power broker power hungry people in the planet that just gravitate towards politics to do what they want to do and to wield power. But there are also some people who initially sign up. And I think this movie kind of shows that of these wide-eyed idealists that want to fix the world with their great ideas. And it shows the absolute disaster and the the corruption of politics and the corruption of using force to get what you want, because you can't convince everybody of your ideas. You just can't. There's always going to be someone that will just tap out on your argument and just be like, "Uh, I'm I'm just not listening to you right now. It's fine. So then ultimately, what are you left with? You're left with a stick. If you don't have carrot, you got stick. And this is Superman who runs out of carrot real quick, even though he's idealized and he's like doing this for your own good. And people that do violence for your own good to you are some of the scariest motherfuckers exist on this planet. 
Um, I'd, I'd rather take this jaded old cynical corrupt politician than some wide-eyed idealist that is doing this for your own good because they think they know better than you. They think they know what's best for you. They think they know how to live your life better than you know how to live your life. And that's Superman in this movie. And he's willing to put machines in your brain and not even think twice. Maybe he's thinking twice. Maybe he's not happy about it, but he's like, this is for the greater good and shows the, uh, when you value the collective over the individual, there's no level of horror that you won't exert on that individual for the name of the greater good, whatever that is. And even if you ever even get to that greater good, probably it's just a thing that happens in your mind. So anyway, uh, the movie is a lot of fun. It, it visits all these topics. It's not written by like an ANCAP libertarian guy. I don't, at least I don't think, but maybe he's a little bit familiar with communism versus capitalism. And I think it's played out quite well. You got this guy that goes on a significant arc. I mean, he doesn't in the end come to actually verbalize, you know, how wrong he was and how much he's learned and that sort of thing. But, you know, he does save the planet at the end, I mean, kind of conveniently, but um yeah no it's a lot of fun um i'm glad we talked about it i'm sure we're going to have all kinds of good topic continue this discussion later on in the kathleen turner overdrive but uh, i i i think it's a fantastic movie this is like an 8.0 and uh if you are a comic book fan if you know superman batman wonder woman uh this is one of my favorite uh dc films even if it is their you know animated division and whatnot some of their animated movies are some of the best even though maybe Maybe the Snyder Cut will come along and change my mind, but um, it has yet to occur. So from now, 8.0, recommended, Superman, Red Sun. Ooh. All right, not bad. And speaking of our Patreon, uh, I'm going to roll the names now uh, along the bottom of the screen if you're watching on YouTube. And if you're listening on the podcast, go to our YouTube and uh, you might see your name on here. Or if you go to lastnighter.com slash Patreon and throw some money our way, you can get your name on here and become, uh, you know, slightly uh, famous on some videos that, you know, like a dozen people might see. So there's that incentive for you. Speaking of incentives, Robert. So uh, <laughs> so Robert gives us an 8.0. Uh, Shaheen, are you going to bring back the black and gold, black and red uh, rating system uh, or uh, bestow a new one upon us in your final summary? review? I think I'll just go with the numbered ones. Uh, I'd also give it an eight, I reckon. Uh, speaking of like the, the animation style was good. The voice acting was great. Lex's voice. Um, I forgot what the actor's name was, but he also did Batman's voice in one of the animated movies. Diedrich yeah. Bader. Yeah, that's the one. He, he did his voice in Batman, the brave and the bold. It's a TV series. I could tell straight away it was him. And also Jason Isaacs voiced Superman. So fantastic cast. Um, the action was great, especially when Batman fucks Superman up. So that was good. Superman's like, oh, what's this going to do? Like, bam. So that was good. Superman versus Superior Man was good. Some of the the Brainiac, the Brainiac fights weren't that good compared to the other ones, but still entertaining. Um, we did get a pretty badass version of Batman, even though he was slightly morally bended. He's like, normal Batman has a rule where he won't kill, but Russian Batman's like, I must kill a hundred a day. That's, that's his rule. He has to kill every day. Um... But yeah, it explored a lot of good stuff. I think a lot of superheroes at their core are fairly libertarian. Like, they're anti-collectivist. Like, Maybe they're not libertarian, but they're anti-collectivist. And I dare say even maybe one of the reasons why I value freedom and I came to the movement is because of my fascinations and obsessions with superheroes since when I was a kid. Just put the seeds there and, um, yeah, they grew. 
Yeah, All superheroes, right? man. They're people that will take the justice into their own hands. Yeah, the, the whole like Fairly libertarian idea. Yeah, the whole vigilante thing of being outside like a military, organized military or police force and still doing what's right. And then sometimes even going up against the police, especially in Batman's case. Uh, yeah, like corrupt cops or just even like normal cops who like hunt you down because they because it's wrong to be a vigilante or something. Yeah, I can see why why you like Batman so much. Um, and you are our Batman man. So fortunately, Batman had a significant portion in this film. Uh, and my final summer in review is that I also thought that this was a, a very well done film. I actually like these uh, animated ones a little bit more than the uh, live action ones, I think, because they can kind of realize their vision um, a little bit easier because, you know, it's animation. So you can kind of get away with a lot more. Uh, though I did really like Joker, but that kind of falls into kind of its own little category. Joker was a movie that could have been its own movie without any uh, affiliation with the DC universe. Like it's it's like a character study. This movie is, um, it reminded me a lot of uh, Henry Hazlitt's novel, Time Will Run Back. He's the guy who did Economics in One Lesson, which is a highly recommended book. But Time Will Run Back is almost uh, a reverse of this story in that um in a uh, communist society, uh, the leader has a son and he shelters the son from being raised in the communist um, ideology, the schooling system and whatnot, and has him uh, raised on this island and given like classical uh, education, logic, mathematics, things like that, like Socrates, philosophy. And then when he comes of age, he is installed as the next leader and he realizes that there's all these problems in the society. And his solution is as he works through, he starts repealing different limitations on people making decisions and just peeling back the layers of the onion. And every time society improves a little bit, and a little bit and a little bit until he almost makes the argument for a stateless society, which would be what I would argue for. But he ultimately uh, sticks with like a minarchist scenario. But anyway, it's an interesting book and it's kind of like uh, sort of related to this movie because Superman does go through this arc of thinking idealistically that he's doing the right thing. He's a true believer, but the things that he's doing ends up causing more problems um, in, in in destroying people's lives and liberty, lobotomizing people, basically having digital gulags and not allowing um, free, free thought, uh, the discussion of ideas or anything along those lines. Uh, granted, because he is Superman, because he had Brainiac, they were able to make society, at least in the film, work better than it otherwise would. But I even think that is um, fanciful thinking. I don't think that it would have actually been uh, as utopian or, or even approaching it as economically viable as they depicted in the film, just because of the economic calculation problems and the, the uh, lack of innovation that would occur as a result of it. So you kind of be in this almost... Um, uh, static, um, static, slowly growing kind of system where things might grow uh, over time as directed by experts, um, but not because of trial and error and competition for trying to solve problems or satisfy people's desires or come up with entirely new services or markets or goods that people don't even know that they want. Uh, because how would they know unless they're going to experiment and try? So what that has to do with the movie uh, not a whole lot, but I did like Diedrich Bader as this. The animation is really good. I think the story is really interesting. The uh, Brainiac stuff does seem a little bit um, it, like, like Shaheen, you were saying you need some pre-knowledge to kind of like fill in where he comes from and how he fits in the story. How I was watching this movie, it looked like Brainiac was a creation, another creation by um, Luthor. And he was just 
you know, round three or four of his offensive uh, attacks against Superman. Um, but I, you know, it's a good movie. I, I think it's interesting and uh, very thought provoking. We had a very good discussion as a result. Uh, so any, any feedback on that before I tell you guys what we're going to be doing next week? Well, what does it say about your society, your great ideological society? If it takes a alien Superman and a supercomputer in order to run even moderately competitively against a, a free market society with a drugged and lobotomized populace. Indeed. And then, they, then you still got uprisings anyway. Yep. Indeed. Yep. Yeah. All sorts of problems all the time. It seems like so even with like the two best uh, beings, alien beings running things it still doesn't work. Fictional yep. things like, like the, the only way to actually get communism to kind of work is to get fucking Superman and super <laughs> yep. to run it. <laughs> yeah. And even then it's not as good. Even then. Like, yep. All right. Well, hey, this was a really good discussion, and uh, I hope that we can continue on in the Kathleen Turner Overdrive available for Patreon supporters. But next week, we're going to be joined by Dan Reed of the Culinary Libertarian to discuss baking and the great Robin Williams in Mrs. Doubtfire. This will be a Father's Day episode. And speaking of films that couldn't be made today, I wonder if Mrs. Doubtfire might be on that list because... Transphobic, man. Come on. Yeah, there's there's some cross-dressing and some presenting yourself as something you're not and he's doing it for purposes that aren't you know down with the see his kids man yeah he's he's doing it to achieve something that's unrelated to his gender he's using it as a vehicle he's appropriating it my goodness how you yeah so it'll be a really interesting discussion and I, i'm i'm uh, highly looking forward to it so uh with that said we, we've already gone like super long on this episode speaking of super uh, but Robert, why don't you tell our audience what they've won if they choose to support us in any which way uh, but loose. Um, and then we'll uh, move into Kathleen Turner. Well, Johnny, they have won a lifetime of feel-good emotions and hugs and virtual hugs and virtual snuggles by uh, supporting us. And knowing that you have put some money towards propagating ideas that would lead to a better world. And, um, you know, that, that, that hits you right down in the, the nublets makes you feel good. And so, yeah, you can go to uh, patreon.com and you can uh, support us for as little as a dollar. Now used to be $3, but now thanks to my efforts, my heroic efforts of shaming Daniel, it's now down to just a single solitary dollar, which, um, thanks to the, um, the heroic efforts of the federal reserve, it's like, just like a couple of pennies of value these days. So you're welcome, everyone. And uh, you can also go to trepture.com. You can buy some merch there. You can go to like Apple Podcasts and you can leave a review. And uh, you can do all those things and more. Um, there's no limit to what you can do. Don't, don't, let, don't let me limit you. Don't, don't do that. Don't, don't let me do that to you. You're, you're a real person. Innovate. Yeah, Try new innovate things. Yourself. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And also, you know, look for us on uh, the Launchpad Media where they're always okay. launching new ideas in your direction. And That's true, I think. Hit us up at the show notes page, lastnighters.com slash 128, where we will have all of Shaheen's prior appearances. We'll have show notes yeah. related to this, links to the, some of the books we talked about, uh, some of the other goods and services that we espouse and uh, support, and uh, also our Patreon link at lastnighters.com slash Patreon. But uh, with that, I think we're going to give you guys a uh, super good night from last night, and we'll see you next week for uh, Mrs. Doubtfire with the Culinary Libertarian.
All right, and we're going to continue the transmission for just a few more minutes on the Actual Anarchy podcast here. Um, We went a little bit long on last night's, but that's because there was so much to talk about, and there's actually still more left to talk about. Uh, And I so rudely didn't allow Shaheen to say his goodbyes to the audience, so I will have to do that um, at the end of this segment. But I do have a final question. And uh, Robert, I'm going to shoot it over to you first, and then we'll get Shaheen's take on it. Uh, In the series of feminist rants, Um, in this film, the one that stood out to me the most was when Lois was in bed with um, Lex Lex, and she's like, oh, you're getting a little roundy around the rotundi here. And she's like, you know, you men, you could be short, tall, fat, bald. It doesn't matter. Nobody cares. You're still treated the same. Horseshit. It's only us women who have to keep up appearances. And that just stood out to me. That stood out to me real hard because I know as a short, bald man myself that I get discriminated against when it comes to, you know, women. uh, When I was back in the dating game, your looks and your heights and all of these things matter. But so does your ability to provide or appear to provide um, to be, you know, like a catch in the dating pool. Robert, your take. Yeah, 100% true, Daniel. Women have preferences. I don't know if you've heard this or not, but it's true. Like all news to me, buddy. Well, apparently they don't, but they do. And they prefer tall, luxurious lawn flowing locks. I mean, you don't see short, fat, bald guys on the cover of romance novels. You just don't do it. It's just, this just doesn't exact, doesn't happen. If they did that, women wouldn't buy those novels. Not that people buy books anymore, but you know what I mean. And uh, yeah, women uh, prefer, I mean, I, I think that there's a scale, right? There's an ordinal scale, a ranking scale, and you're not just calculating, you know, this person has this feature, so they're immediately disqualified. You take the the person as a whole. So if it's a bald guy, but he's a really good provider and he's like a super genius that's going to change the world, then maybe yeah, you're going to hook up with that guy. But And you're saying women, women not not to like group them all as if they're all doing them. We're just talking about tendencies, like the majority of some population that identifies. The majority of women tend to prefer men that will be good providers, men that the stock Men that have broad shoulders and have a hard work ethic and, you know, have strong gluteus maximus muscles. Maximize. Maximize. (laughs) And, uh, you know, they like to they like to see their children in the the men. So, like, you know, the guy's going to make a good father. It's going to be give good genetics to their kids. I mean, there's any number of reasons, but to pretend that a man's appearance doesn't play into that is hilariously wrong. I mean, that's how you evaluate a human being and on initial attraction is based on, will this person be a good breeding stock partner for me? That's how you find someone attractive. And whether that's from, yeah, biologically, absolutely. Whether they're going to be a good match for you to create um, a baby that is resilient to disease or going to have too fair a skin or better skin. Those are all attractive qualities. All right. Well, these are all- And it's okay. It's okay (laughs) for women to have preferences, just like it's okay for men to have preferences. For men to have like that 1.3 waist to hip ratio, it's okay. It's also okay for men to prefer women with larger breasts to be able to breastfeed their babies and also for themselves to enjoy. It's okay, Daniel. All right. So Shaheen, let's get your take on it because uh, on one of the initial times we had you on the show, you were talking about your pickup game which I guess is the name of like meeting Attempt. women down in Australia there. Attempting. Uh, do you- <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Let's say attempting. Um, well, 
first and foremost, I reckon there's a bit of nuance to it that both genders, or well, yeah, there's only two genders. Both of them have um, problems that that is hard for the other one to notice. So it's hard for it's really easy for for um, what's her name Lois to think, oh, I'm a woman, I'm only judged on my looks as well, whereas men aren't aren't judged on anything. But there's more nuance to that. Like a man is also judged on his looks as well. But now when it comes to like attraction stuff, I do think that looks, if you're a girl, looks matter more. Like as in like a guy is more attracted to looks than a girl is. Um, but I think in a general way. General in a general speaking, yeah. yeah. If, if I could interject here, I think, I think the point has been made before, but if Harvey Weinstein looked like Brad Pitt, it wouldn't be the big deal that, that he would be the monster that he's been put out to be. If, if women were like really appreciated his 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 come-ons, then it wouldn't be the monster that he is made out to be these days. But right, he and then there's like also a troll creature. So that's what he can do. <laughs> there's also the relative um, comparison here with Lois with Lex. Lex is an attractive guy, and he is one of the most accomplished people on the planet. So he's compared- he's like a super inventor guy. Yeah. So she's comparing herself to him and using him as a proxy for all men in a way like as this he's this if idealized anything, he man could do better right uh, she's just a reporter for the daily planet i mean yeah she's smoking hot but i don't know he's like like he's like one in the world and she's like you know maybe there's like 20 of them yeah so I, i'm gonna let you finish there shaheen and then and then we'll uh we'll wind down and get into kathleen turn overdrive where we actually get a little bit loose and talk about things like pick up oh wait we're already doing that anyway continue detail there i can i can say some funny stories or shit that i've done <laughs> that i probably shouldn't be saying but uh yeah um what i think matters most if you're a man is like in terms of looks is, is more presentation than actual good looks obviously actual good looks do matter and they help you out but i think they, they're more like it's more like in a way it's kind of like it helps your foot go through the door like if you're good looking and then she's like oh okay now i'm paying attention to you but if you're still like a total autistic idiot who i don't know just acts and does stupid things then she'll probably go like oh okay then he's a moron but if you're not as attractive like facial wise or looks wise but like you go into the gym you're working out you dress nice you learn about fashion you kind of color code or wear cool clothes and just put effort into your body language and appearance and everything and she can see that you're putting the um the um the effort in and then you're also you know fun to talk to and hang around and not socially retarded then so we'll probably fare better than the other guy who's just got the good looks. No, I think that's a good point because it, it's sort of like Superman. He never had to learn how to fight because he was so powerful. Similarly, yeah. guys who are objectively attractive <laughs> or whatever. Super good looking. Don't have to develop yeah. the personality or the social skills. Is that what you're trying right. to say, Daniel? That is what I'm trying to say. Yeah, that's mm. why I lack social skills, obviously. Because you're so handsome. I know. I never had to work on this. So. So anyway, uh, why don't we we just wind it down here? This we've gone super long in this episode, the Superman episode. Shaheen, your final words for our audience, and then we'll get into Kathleen Turn Overdrive build for Patreon supporters. Actuallyandkid.com slash Patreon. All right. I'm happy to be on. Thanks for having me. This was a great story and look forward to being back for whatever's next. Hopefully there'll be something else between now and 2021 for the Snyder Cut. But yeah, I'm happy to come back whenever. All right. Well, thank you very much for joining us. We always have a pleasure with uh you're always a pleasure. It's I'm I I don't know what I'm saying anymore. My social awkwardness has now crept back in. My facade has come down, and I'm just gonna say yeah. good night. Uh, maximum freedom, everyone. Come back next week, and we'll do Mrs. Doubtfire with the Culinary Libertarian, and we'll see you guys next week. And uh, peace out, everyone.
the chipmunks. C-H-I-P-M-U-N-K. We're the chipmunks. Guaranteed to brighten your day. Do, 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 do